Hi, Heather. How are you doing tonight? Hi, how's it going? Doing well. So this is Heather O'Neill, and she is the designer of a new game called Dreams of Yesterday. It's coming out from Weird Draft Games. She's also designed a few other games, and she has a game company called Ninth Level Games, where she is going to have, if I understand it right, a kids RPG. You're listening to Board Game Games as I talk with Heather O'Neill about her new game, Dreams of Yesterday, as well as what it's like to be a game publisher and her work with the group Unpub. Thanks for listening as we continue to explore the world of tabletop games. Happy gaming. Yeah, I, actually, my uh, my last Kickstarter that I, was that something I worked on was a kids RPG. So that'll be coming out this summer. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, what, what age is that designed for? Um, it is. It's. Technically, no, no lower than five, but probably you could do it. But basically, five to thirteen is the sweet spot. Um, but it's technically all ages, so it's called Venture Society, and it uh, uses um, social emotional learning as the economy of the game, so that it teaches all of the skills that elementary school teachers are trying to teach, um, like uh, social awareness and you know um, personal strengths and cooperation and communication through the game. Yeah. So we're, um, you know, it's nonviolent and it's basically your animal scouts. But the idea is, you know, you can just have fun with it. You can use it to talk about things going on, you know, maybe with the kids themselves, some mm-hmm. issues you're having, or you could use it for therapy or you could use it as a teaching aid, that kind of thing. So, so um, it's yeah, pretty that, exciting. Yeah. That, that's really cool. Um, Cause I, I know some uh, fellow parents uh, who, who would definitely be interested in that. Um, so I'll, I'll be telling him about that. that yeah. <laughs> well, if you go at the end of this or whenever you pop, pop up our website, yeah. you can find everybody can find everything out about that there. So very cool. Um, so is that part of your background then too? Is teaching or not? no? <laughs> um, yeah. The, the, yeah. We're to, we can go into the whole story if you want. Um, sure. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So, um, so, you know, I've done board game designs. I've, I've been kind of on and off doing board game designs. I don't know for close to 10 years, let's say, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, but the company is like 50% RPG, 50% board game, kind of almost more RPG nowadays, but in the last few years, but <clears throat> I never myself did an RPG. Uh, I would maybe give some feedback on them, but I never designed one. And then I met a couple of people <clears throat> from a convention um, that have a company that called Gaming Approaches uh, to Therapy or Through th- Therapy. And okay. it's basically... Um, <clears throat> Um, for kids who need therapy for some reason and teaching uh, them better ways to deal with it through gaming. Um, so that's kind of what they do and they love games. So they actually uh, use some of the Ninth Level's games, including Maple Party in their sessions. And that's how we got talking and then we became friendly. And then, you know, fast forward to it's the pandemic and I'm like, Hey guys, I kind of want to work on an RPG. And we talked one time about maybe doing a kid's thing or a therapy thing would be cool. And they were like, we're in. So in a summer ish, 2020, we started working on it. And then later in 21, we brought in another friend who's a, uh, fourth grade teacher and like a creating creative writing consultant um to kind of take that educational um point on it and kind of talk about how could the kids improve the writing skills how could they you know be creative in this game so kind of that angle came in so because of that I was like 
this is what, this is why I want to make it. You know, I want to make yeah. it for those reasons, not just because I want to say I want to make an RPG. So once they were all on board, uh, I kind of handled the system um, and like the mechanics and all of that and worked a little bit on the theme and obviously made the ideas with everybody there. And then um, they would handle like some of the adventure writing and some of the, uh, you know, therapeutic guides and that type of thing. So by yeah. the end of it, it was a, definitely a team effort, you know? Yeah. So. Um, so what did you find challenging or, or most different from your experience in designing board games? It is a lot more writing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you need to world build a lot more. <laughs> so I, you know, I've always yeah. kind of been, oh, the, you know, bullet points, here we go, you know, and sure, you can do that a little bit in RPGs, but, you know, in a board game, you can read the one sentence world explanation and see the picture. And then it's like, set up do this, do that, do that, done, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, it was definitely like, oh, we need to like think of this whole world. Like, and because they're animals and someone's like, do they have pets? Because they're already animals. And, you know, you have to think of these things that you wouldn't think about that are going to get questioned during the game yeah. and make sure you have all your ducks in a row that make sense instead of just presenting like the blue chip means uh, water and the yellow chip means corn and we're farmers you know so <laughs> yeah, you know, that's all yeah. you have to say in a board game you know so um it was definitely like much more than I thought we would need to do um that you know in the writing end of it so again I've seen it happen a bit of behind the scenes on RPGs before mm. um but I didn't realize okay even when I'm making a quote-unquote simpler RPG there's a lot more before you even talk about the design of what you do in the game and how you roll dice, like there's a lot more going on in, yeah. in that section and the building, how you roll dice and what you do is not too far off from simple, uh, you know, the same kind of uh, or a board game design mechanics that I might be more used to. It was more of that part that was like, wow, this is going to take more than three months, more than six months, you know, a lot longer than we thought to get through that to the way we liked it to be done, you know? Mm -hmm. so, so that was definitely a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, were you working on, cause this is kind of the exact opposite than, uh, on that Oh note. yeah. Were you, were you working on this concurrently or where did this come from? Uh, yeah. Concurrently. I did a okay. lot of design in 2020 because, uh, on top of the pandemic and everybody kind of having, yeah. potentially having more free time, maybe if you have kids, you don't, but I don't. So I did not have that problem uh, where, where they were at home all the time, yeah. but I, um, uh, I previously, before the pandemic and even in the beginning, worked a full-time job as a project manager and was looking to get out of that. I was looking to leave anyway. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, maybe I'll like see what's happening for a couple of months. And uh, then I figured out that it was okay. I could leave and I could, the company was, you know, uh, our company was okay enough that I could leave. So then I left and was able to focus like 40 hours more on ninth level the company and my design yeah. and my freelance work and things like that so that on top of the fact that we weren't going anywhere or doing vacations or anything else um yeah. 2020 i had a lot more time to do this kind of stuff so we worked a lot on the venture society rpg and then i worked on other designs that i had been developing um there's a game called iceberg that i'm working or i'm developing with nat levine that we signed mm -hmm. 
way before the pandemic that is going to be coming out in the next year, let's say, uh, probably on a Kickstarter or a backer kit. Did a lot of work on that. And then I did a bunch of different contests. So I did the Haba contest and I did this one, which was, uh, which I'm not sure if you're even aware it was part of a contest. No, I know um, Carla runs contests, but I didn't know that this one was. Yeah. So this was part of a contest. So uh, again, it was one of those, hey, like I've got the time. I'm going to work on all these things. So uh, Carla did, it was an 18 card contest. If you're familiar with Button Shy, you know, little 18 card games, but it was make an 18 card version of inspired by one of Weird Giraffe's existing games. So you had the option of picking any of their games. Mm -hmm. So you could do Find the Library. You could do Dreams of Tomorrow. You could do Gift of Tulips. You could Tumbletown, I think was one of the options. I can't remember if that was out or not, but you could pick from them and then see what worked for you. And, um, you know, in doing so, it just kind of, I had a really good idea for dreams of tomorrow. Um, and I felt like a lot of people were going to do fire in the library. So I, mm. I just like yeah. skip that one. And um, I had an idea and I was like, let me just start working on this. And within a few weeks, I feel like I had a solid enough idea that I was able to like play test it a lot and felt comfortable like submitting it. And sure enough, I guess it was okay because then <laughs> she ultimately, uh, Carla ultimately signed it and now it's going to, Backer kid soon. So yeah, it was it was just another one of those, like probably had I been working full time, maybe that wouldn't have happened because I would have yeah. been stressed and burnt out. But I had that free freer freer brain yeah. space to kind of do that, you know. Yeah. How what I'm trying to figure out here is how many cards did it end up with? It, it, I think it went with 24 at, okay. at the <laughs> at the end of it, but the contest was for 18. Right. Yeah, I think in development, they were like, maybe this is a little too tight, you know? Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it was very, very tight. Um, and uh, if if you want to chat a little bit about that, you can yeah, maybe yeah. show one of the cards. But I ended up, the cards are double-sided mm-hmm. with different things because, again, very limited space when we were working yeah. on the design here. Yeah. Yeah, so like this, for those who are listening, this one has a vase on one side and there's points that you can get from, I forget what the things are called because the names just don't stick with it's me. It's like artifacts and then there's different, and then yeah. those are urns, but then there's like different categories of artifacts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like there's, I don't remember the names of the different categories, but there, I just call it the bones and the O copy. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I did call it bones, but here, oh, they, they named them different. Than, they made them yeah. cute names. So it's bygone bones and cultural curiosities and yeah. astonishing antiquities and diverse discoveries and unusual urns. Um, I know I, I had... The- alliteration should stick with me but <laughs> yeah the alliterations were there um and then on the back is the um the resources yeah and so this one has one. uh books and uh cash right so it's so it's yeah. knowledge money and prestige are the yeah. resources so um when you're when you're trying to to take a car you know when you're you obviously have to pay the resources and then you can you know pay for the card but there's times where you're going to take you know draw a new card and when you do that you can you know look at both sides and decide which one you want to face up so if you're like oh we don't have any resources on the board i i'm going to put it resource face up or you know what i'm good on resources i don't know if everybody else is so i'm going to put it artifact side up so that you know Hopefully I can get it later or something like that. So, um, so there's a little play with that on strategy on which side of the card do you flip up when you, when you do that? So. Yeah. 
the last game I played, my, my son had on his uh, bottom row because you have two rows that you end up building in your museum. Um, mm-hmm. For those that haven't played before, <laughs> obviously not you, but um, he had yeah. the one with the power on the right that let him flip for free. And so he just kept that on the right for most of the game and then kept getting exactly what he wanted yeah. up, up until the end. <laughs> yeah. So it worked out well for him, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I like, I like the double-sided cards here because it adds a, a lot of versatility. I mean, I mean, that's pretty common though for a smaller deck game. Yeah, exactly. It was one, it was like the way to make that actually work. Right. Because uh, you know, without that, there was just, you'd have to have some other piece that's outside of the cards and again, at the time, it was like, that's not part of the rules. So I was like, okay, they, uh, we can't have tokens. We can't have other things. We can't, I mean, technically you could write it on a piece of paper, but was like, we're not going to do that. Like it has to be all contained in these 18 cards. So I think by doing that, the number of restrictions that not only the, the contest, but, but I put on myself, like actually helped tighten it up. And you know how, when, if, if people are designing and they get, oh, then we'll throw this and we're going to throw this and we're going to do that. It's like, that was not possible, right? So I couldn't really get too far out of control. Anytime I did go a little too far, it was like that is immediately broken and that's not going to work. Uh, I can't even go through two rounds and we're, we're out of cards or, you know, whatever it was. Like it was, um, you know, pretty clear that this had to be as stripped down as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. So um, so that was that was kind of kind of good to see that fairly early that like, trying to do too much with it was just like not going to happen um so yeah it was good i mean my my thought was i saw the rondel in dreams of tomorrow and i was like oh i want to do a rondel but i want to make it like the opposite of that like what if it was back like yesterday or uh, yesterday instead of tomorrow mm-hmm. what would it be you know i started thinking through that and then it was just a matter of um you know finding things that made sense you know like yeah oh bones and urns and that kind of thing and then a matter of okay let's then it was okay what would the resources be okay here's what they are and then that came up through like in that first three weeks pretty quickly and then it was from the three weeks to the whatever number of weeks later i submitted it was the play testing and like finagling it and fixing it a little bit um but uh luckily uh it's a one to three player game which is strange you don't usually see three player game but um i have you know a partner my husband and i live we're here together during the pandemic so at least i could play test it like one or two player mm-hmm. a lot so that helped and again um uh, having a lot of time in November I think it was November too it was like cold so it's like yeah. it's November and it's the pandemic and everything's awful so I guess might as well just work on that game tonight for another hour <laughs> yeah. yeah um I actually really like how the pacing ended up in this one uh I I, I like dreams of of uh tomorrow fine and yeah. and no shade against it but uh sometimes the pacing on that one feels a little bit off Okay. For me personally, okay. Like, because as you're moving around, you see something you want, and then it can get messed up pretty easily. Yeah. But the the trade off in this, and it sounds like you worked on that a lot uh, in terms of um, how tight the game was. I think that's why the pacing works so well in in your game. Is as I'm seeing things come up, and having an ability that I've chosen on the right, uh, mm. it, it just it plays really nice and quick and I, I don't have to 
think too much, but there's still an important decision left. To yeah. Me. Yeah. It is what it is. It's, you know, I, we, I was talking to uh, Beth who also works for Rare Draft a couple of mm-hmm. weeks ago on one of these streams about the game. And I was kind of saying, not that it's like Splendor, but if you've ever played Splendor, I feel like a lot of people have played Splendor. Yeah. When you look at the board and you try to plan your turn and then you get to your turn and it's like, oh, it's all ruined because they took the card that I had the exact payment for and now I can't do it or, you know, whatever it is. Um, you have that consolation prize to say, I'm going to take one and reserve it. But, you know, w- what we were trying to do was that similar feel where you're like, I'm looking, I can see everything's open for information, which is the same in this case, you know, our game is, open information, but it might not be possible to get it on your turn. But unlike Splendor, it's probably fairly uh, low a chance that that's going to happen, that the exact situation that you need is going to be taken because in this case, there's 24 cards. There's only 24 cards. If there's even more than one person, right, two, that's already only 12 cards per person maximum. And then if it's three, right, it's even less. So it's like, okay, they're eventually you're going to have to look and say like they're going for bones like i'm i am not worrying about bones anymore right we're in splendor yeah. you can kind of say oh it doesn't matter if they have a lot of green i can i can still get a lot of green it's not a big deal so you know like there's just not the time like those games have to do right. that yeah. so um you know uh that that part of it is kind of like where we were like okay um you know we need or you know, play testing, we need to kind of like make sure that that makes sense. And that if you're last player, you're not all of a sudden like totally screwed because everything's gone already. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a first player, everything's screwed because there's nothing available, right? Like you can't have either of those options because there's no time, you know, <laughs> there's just yeah. no time. So hopefully yeah. it seems like, you know, all the feedback I've heard, um, that that seems to be good and i know that they've developed it more since i've submitted it so hopefully it's like even even better i mean i have the rules in front of me all beautifully laid out nothing like what they looked like when i submitted them (laughs) i just had a word doc and um yeah like they you know they did a really good job of explaining it in a quick way too which i think it makes sense for a small game (laughs) so Mm -hmm. you don't want to have to be like oh it's this one deck of cards but now 30 minutes later and we haven't played like that's even 15 minutes later that's way too long yeah i mean um so one of the things i've been thinking about lately is what does it mean to try to create certain emotions in a player uh yeah you know like like what, what are you looking for um whether it's tension or just happiness or whatever so yeah. like what would you say that you you are trying to create in, in someone who picks this game up Yeah, I wouldn't say tension at all uh, in this one, even though, like I said, there's a little bit, it's definitely a little bit of an urgency, I would say there's urgency going on, but it's also like a satisfaction of being able to uh, go for your plan or, or correctly choose when to switch your plan and and make that work out, right? So there's, um, there's that time where you say, I'm going to do this option and it works. And then there's going to be the time where you're like, oh, nope not going for not going for artifact or uh antiquities anymore got to go for curiosities and you know it works out because there is a little bit of luck in there obviously there's you know you don't know what's going to come up there's there's a little bit in there so you have that like yes feeling that when it works out but there's also an urgency to keep a very close watch to be like it should i just stay on this line or should i change it up should I take that now or shouldn't I? Right. So that's, those are the two emotions I would say that this game is bringing. 
cool. Yeah. Um, who do you feel like influences you right right now? Not just in general, but right now, yeah. who influences you as a game designer? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, back in the day, I would always say uh, Reiner. Was it Knizia? I can never say yeah. his last name because uh, I always loved all of his games. So uh-huh. like I always liked everything that he did. So I would say like, you know, old school, even though he's still designing, but I'm just saying old school, oh, yeah. I would say him. Um, gosh, now. Like, are, are you reading new things since you're getting into more RPG writing and all that? Or I mean, a little bit. I mean, I yeah, I'm not really like, I wouldn't say I'm like an RPG connoisseur or anything. Um, yeah. It's more like I play a lot of games, if you couldn't tell. Yeah. Um, I play a lot of games and I meet a lot of game designers and have a lot of discussions about game design. And so like, I have some people in mind that are like, oh yeah, I love everything they do. Like I love Jason Morningstar who did Fiasco mm-hmm. and many other interesting things because he just thinks like, over here and everybody else is kind of here um and yet it's still approachable which is cool so like um you know there's there's things like that and elements of rpg that i would usually steer clear of then now i kind of have the freedom to be like oh that could be an interesting mashup or that could be a thing you know that i could do or we could do which is kind of neat um you know but like for me personally like sometimes it's like oh that would be a cool idea for a game film blank theme whatever it is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but whenever i get to the point where it's actually okay i'm showing it to somebody and evoking you know, invoking an emotion and they're actually playing and i'm like what's happening i usually want them to be having fun and i usually want it to be like an upbeat experience usually you know typically mm-hmm. so um you know usually i'm looking for for those kind of things but i will say a couple of the games that like this one i'd say is more like it's a beat, but not like yes, screaming party game kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and I would say there's some other designs that I have, like this next one, Iceberg, that like is definitely like yay, but not like not as silly, maybe as Meeple Party, or maybe not quite as like take that and fun as Schrodinger's cats. So there's there's some other ones that are, you know, out there, like little outliers, but I think I I tend to design for that like almost a party game feel but has some strategy to it is like my, my favorite thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's so, the kind of games I guess I like to play. I don't know. Yeah. 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 If you could go back and like teach yourself, show yourself one thing uh, before 2020. So like, let's yeah. say it's 2019 and, and, and you could redo history that way as a game designer, what would you spend your time on? So you could be ready for 20 solo games. Yeah. <laughs> okay (laughs) had i known right uh you know it's like oh you know i didn't never would have thought about a solo whole solo game market but um you know i personally don't play a lot of solo games but i know so many people that do and so many people that are looking for solo rpg i'm even getting a lot of requests for standard rpgs that are like can this be played by itself does this have a one player mode so again three four years ago would never really have thought about that so that would have probably that would that would be my like that whole thing that they you know they say like um you know um in back to the future he's like bet on this or you know game or in other movies they're like oh here's a beatles song and you're gonna be the next big star or whatever you know it's like no uh make some solo games because i think had like you you known that and could have gotten them out in 2020 it's like oh wow yeah yeah. that would be good (laughs) um so what is different about the the solo uh, 
RPG experience than that, that you don't have necessarily in, in, your, in your toolkit. Well, yeah, I mean, it's most of the ones that exist are journaling games. Um, so it doesn't mean that they have to be. I'm just saying the most of the ones that have come out so far are kind of a prompt and then you write a thing maybe one night and then you kind of come back to it later and yeah. go to the next thing. That's what most of them are. Um, then there's also like almost like a solo like dungeon crawler where you're kind of going through books, a book page that's like a dungeon and you're encountering things based off either random charts or wherever you go, almost like a choose your own adventure. So those are the two that I've seen. Um, I think Alice is missing might be also being able to play one, which is almost like a text-based mm-hmm. adventure. Right. Um, so that's easy to think of it as a solo, but I mean, it would be interesting to see, is there a way to do something that's not a journaling game um, that's solo um, I, or Maybe not solo, but one player at a time, I guess is what I'm thinking, because I could see how I could be playing with five people, but we don't get together and play, right? Like I could play tonight and then someone else can respond to what I do and then somebody else can respond to what they do or something like that. I I could see that being kind of interesting. I I don't know, but it's definitely something I keep getting requests about and I'm like, "Hmm, this is interesting. Yeah. It's almost like asynchronous play on an online game or something. You right, know? right. Yeah. What uh what advice would you give to somebody who uh wants to be a game designer? Uh oof, well, that's a this is a long list. Um so well uh, okay, let me <laughs> or, take my or publisher. Most... You you pick okay, which one. I'll do game designer because my okay. first thing is yeah. get it out in front of people you don't know or you don't know well as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um because one of the things I've seen happen a m- millions of times, because I'm in a lot of like design groups and I'm on the board of Unpub that does unpublished game network things, is someone will say, I've been working on this for four years. You're the first people seeing it, right? And inevitably, there's like at least, I won't say there's never more than 10 things, you know, or, or only ever one thing wrong with it. But like, you know, there's there's going to be something not right. And you're going to feel like, oh my God, I just spent four years of my life working on this game. And I wish I knew this four years ago, right? It's almost happened every time that I've talked to somebody or they just are stubborn and they say it's perfect and you don't know what you're talking about. And then this game, you never hear from those people again. So it's, it's one of those two, but I would say that that's the number one thing. And also don't spend any money on your prototype. Like, I mean, by any money, nothing more than $50. Because if you need paper or something, okay. But like, yeah. don't be, buy art or anything. Those are my two things that I think yeah. people who come in brand new just do not know. Because yeah. they just think, I got to present it. I got to make this. Or I got to work on it. And they don't know that game mechanics can't be copyrighted. And they ask you for an NDA to play test. It's like, sorry, that's not how it works. And you're just yeah. actually hiding yourself behind everything, making it worse for yourself. So, so those would yeah. be my two things to say. Yeah. Um, you know, as a publisher, I would say, you know, if you're especially for board games right now, mm-hmm. there are like 10,000 board games that come out every year. Right. right. So you really got to know the market um, and know what's already out there. Mm-hmm. And it's fine if it's a similar game, but what is your spin on that similar game? Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's cool if it isn't like everything else that's out there. Maybe that's a good idea, you know, so that I, that's another thing I see with a lot of younger designers or, or like newer um, publishing companies is that they 
don't realize the game that they're showing, which is just signed is very similar to a game that's already out or the exact same theme. And it's just going to get overshadowed by that bigger company's theme, you know? So those would be another thing that I would say, just, you gotta, you gotta research the market and know what's out there. Yeah. Um, Whew, there's a whole lot there. I, I, yeah. I'm part of a, a, a local design club too. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's hard because you want to encourage people to come back, but you know, they've, I, I think that that's very true that you see people who have spent a lot of time yeah. and energy and you, and you try to offer both helpful yeah, criticism, but also real criticism uh, in a kind way right and, and sometimes you just never see those people again because instead yeah. of hearing that they, they just say well i i i'm i'm right my friends love it you know and, exactly. and I, the idea that you have to get beyond your friend group and is that's very, fine yeah. it's, you know it's like hey they're still a designer that's fine. oh sure but yeah. they're probably not going to be a published designer in the way that we're thinking of published designer. They could make some copies and sell them on a website. Sure. But if, if, if you want to go to that next level of getting signed by like an Asmodee or like a Pandasaurus or something, or, you know, fantasy flight or something like that, you're, it's not going to happen. Like you have to have it. You have to be able to take the criticism, criticism and you're going to have to get out there and you're going to have to um, take the time to, you know, do all of the things to actually make it, you know, marketable. And, you know, that's, that is the reality of it. Like, it's fun to do all the fun designs, but like half the designs I have, like, this is not really working, but it was fun to do. And like, we had a fun night. We all played it. Yeah. Eh, <laughs> that's okay. You yep. know, I recently had something where uh, at Gen Con, everyone was like playing Origins of Gen Con. Everyone was playing this prototype that I made and I said it was great and loved it. And I was like, cool. And I, that was, I didn't like think it was ready to be pitched but then two different people were like i'm gonna set up a pitch meeting with my company because i want you them to see it and i was like okay and then when i did they were like it's so it's not there yet and like this is kind of like this and i was kind of like i i know i you know i i, yeah, totally I wasn't understand. the one that sought this out <laughs> but i mean I, we, yeah. yes we all had a really fun time but they their public their like their development team was right it's like it really wasn't ready yet you know it was yeah. cool and we had a fun time but it needed more. So that's something that I'm trying to think of in the back here. Uh, cause I don't have a solution yet on that one. So. <laughs> no, I, yeah, no, I, I think, I think that's great advice. So get outside of people who are just going to tell you yes. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to do that. I mean, I still remember the very first time I was at one of the, the local game design nights with, I knew like half the people there mm. very well. Um, and I was really nervous to like bring out the first people party plate, uh, prototype. Like I remember bringing it out and I remember, um, there's a guy named Jay treat who just done a bunch of different board game and, and, um, role-playing designs. And at the end he said something, the way his face lit up, I thought he was like saying something positive, <laughs> but his face lit up, he's like, I was like, and then he said something negative and I, w- I was kind of going like this with him. And then I kind of was like, oh, oh. but I, <laughs> yeah. but I knew exactly what, but I knew exactly yeah. what he was talking about. And he was hundred percent right. And like, I worked it out, but like, I could understand that feeling. Cause I still remember like thinking he was going to say, this is the best game I ever played. And him being like, this was, and I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, whatever the thing was he said, but it was just like that whole, uh, I can still like picture that he was at the table and that thing because it was really the first time I had thrown something out there that I hadn't play tested a lot 
Mm. at home first before I showed it to that crew because I knew them for like a year so I was like oh like what I was been working on this for a few weeks like here it is and like that was definitely scary so I I applaud everybody who does it (laughs) it's scary to put it out there yeah but unfortunately it must be done so yeah Heather uh what do you think is the hardest thing uh when you have to cut something out especially at at an early stage um is it hearing that feedback that you're talking about or is it be being attached to something or, or what, yeah, what makes you know it what? what's interesting is I personally find it easier to cut things out big things out earlier in the <laughs> okay. stage when it gets closer to where I think it's getting done and I have to cut it out that is yeah. when I'm like much more like I don't want to take that away um but in both cases if even if it was had had been in the beginning and I was like really excited about it or at the end um is and it's hard to do this but you kind of have to like step away from it and and say especially if you're publishing this yourself um because i it's as a little easier for me to say okay think about it as a publisher though not a designer and say in this case does this make this a better game or does this make it make more sense or does this make it go 30 minutes quicker, whatever the things are that are the reasons why that really important thing needed to be taken out. That was important to me as the designer. Um, you know, it, I, I usually just take a step back and like, you know, obviously it's coming from someone else's feedback. So there's valid feedback coming, you know, it's not like just like willy nilly, you should get rid of all the meeples and meeple party. It's not that, but like, you know, right. but it's something like that where, you know, after a couple people mention it or what, things like that, and you got to go, Oh, I think, I think I need to change something here. Um, and ultimately I do remember what the thing was, which was Jay was like, you know, in the very beginning, there was like too many choices. And by the end, there was a limited number of choices, but sometimes it was like too easy to win. Mm. So we were, that's what we were trying to fix. Like we went a little too harsh or like through the playtesting, I went down to like, um, oh, I'm going to like, streamline this but then there were less obstacles so i kind of had to ramp up the danger a little bit towards the end in that particular design for meeple party but um you know even if you're designing for to be you know pitched to another publisher and you realize that something is coming out and you you know it has to come out or people are telling you this has to come out consistently and you don't want to hear it Hmm. you have two options i guess what one could be you could keep it in there and when you pitch it, see if the publishers are saying the same thing and you might fail that pitch, you know, or two because of that. Um, or you take it out, play test it a bunch, see how it is. And then you have the option of being like, Hey, we could add this in there again, if, if it works as a variant or as a harder mode or whatever it is, um, a longer extended play. So, I mean, if it's a really cool thing that either just makes the game go too long or makes it too hard or makes it too easy, maybe you could make it a variant where it's like, Hey, if you're playing with kids, you could add it. If it's something easy, or if you want to really challenge yourself or if there's going to be a solo mode, add that crazy thing, you know, in that's going to make it really, really hard if possible. I mean, it doesn't mean it won't have to be taken out. Um, you know, the, um, the RPG system that we've been using at ninth level called polymorph, um, that my husband developed a few years ago. The only reason it worked in 2019 is because in 2018 he took out one of the dice it, it used to be four six eight ten and twelve 
were the options and he took the 12 away and all of a sudden the math worked but he had been resisting taking the 12 the d12 away for a year and was trying to make other things work around it and then when he realized that if i just take the d12 out it will work and now we have like 10 games published in it and people are licensing the the system it's like oh i guess it worked you know right right (laughs) i mean that that's pretty cool because uh d12s are a lot of fun right but yeah the that's interesting i I mean not necessarily the topic we need to talk about right now it really isn't but it's just an example that i know that's recently happened where he was very much did not want to take that out and now it has like we've had so many things i mean like we just right now we're working on the return to dark tower rpg like it's using that system so like it's gone from like maybe this system is gonna fall apart to like we're putting a licensed game out this summer you know it's it you know kickstarted earlier this year and we have like almost 10 games out in that system and people are like licensing that system so it's really cool um but like that wouldn't happen if that d12 was there because the math didn't work so it's just one of those you know one of those things where it's like well you know in hindsight you're like oh so glad i did it but in the moment it's it's very hard to kill your darling as they say um in your design and we don't we we don't have to get into numbers at all, but I am curious. Yeah. Uh, in January, beginning of February, did you all do a lot better with everything else that was going on in the world of RPGs? Uh, this year, you mean? Oh, because of the OGL, yes. yes. Oh, yeah, we did <laughs> yeah. fine. We had no issues. There, there was no issue with that. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but did you did you get new uh, customers and, and people um, showing up? I think we got a similar number. I will say, people, okay. uh, we have the the license that people can do that, like kind of how you can do Power by the Apocalypse, right? So you uh, could do something in the Polymorph system. So um, there is a kit that you can download that explains how that would work, and it has the licensing application form that shot up because people wanted you know downloads of that uh went way up because people were like well maybe i'll look into this system you know so uh that definitely went went super far up but yeah i think um people were just like looking around to be like i need to get away from 5e possibly so right yeah yeah yeah. that's all i was wondering because like yeah i mean i wouldn't say it went like gangbusters on sales but like it it, you know it was definitely a big sharp increase on people downloading the the license information well, that's yeah. hopefully good long term, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Um, well, anything else you want to say about your game or game design or anything else that you, you would uh, share with somebody? Maybe who, who we've talked a couple of times now about uh, pitching a game. Uh, any advice that you give to people yeah. who want to go out and pitch their game at Origins or Gen Con? Or- sure. Uh, well, first yeah. of all, I think you should, if you're, um, you're going to be going in person, also fine but if you want to pitch online unpub does a whole bunch of those i run them actually so there's there's usually four or five a year so if you aren't familiar i suggest people check out unpub.net and subscribe so you'll get the notifications of when these things happen and typically you submit everything in a google form you know video and your links to your pdfs and stuff and then we pick 10 or 15 people and then they just they go into discord and are in private channels with publishers uh, for like five to ten minutes each and it's very very beneficial tons of games have been signed from that because i started doing that summer of 2020 so it's just kind of like been crazy but so um so that's the first thing if you aren't familiar but but as far as pitching I mean, you need to have a sell sheet. It has to be, you have to have one now and nowadays because the publishers, that's really the 
most of what they're going to look at first and decide if they want to see more. Right. So if you send like, let's just say like you send an email, like, Hey, WizKids email, and you put a, here's my link to my rules and here's my sell sheet. They're probably just opening your sell sheet. Yeah. And maybe that will make them open the rules. Um, maybe they're more of a video person. They might watch the video, but what I'm, you know, like that's so great to have, obviously you need to have all three, but I've definitely seen people where it's like, they didn't put a lot of time into the sell sheet and they put a lot of time into the rules. And it's like, you still need to put a lot of time into that sell sheet because that is going to get them to like, think about looking further into your rules. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that will help, uh, settle a, a, a debate with a friend of mine who I'll, I'll tell you later on. <laughs> he, he, uh, yeah. He, I mean, yeah. yeah, maybe some publishers like to look at the rules first, but I mean, it seems to me like they all ask, Hey, we need those sell sheets before the thing. That's all they really care about. So, you know, that's what they're looking for. Um, and so then you, the other thing is just, yeah. if you, even if you have unlimited time, you're just sitting at a, a restaurant and they're like, Hey, pitch me right now. Um, don't go on and on forever before taking a breath and letting them talk. You need to maybe have a plan that if someone's like, what's your game about that you can say a line or two in one or two minutes maximum, and then take a breath, let them ask some questions and then you can continue on. Cause I, that's the other thing is I feel like some people want to just like do a whole paragraph of the entire rules in five minutes. And uh, that's, that's not great either. Doesn't mean your game won't get signed, but it's just not good for pitching. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, anything else at all? Uh, uh, just, just like, yeah, yeah. Only thing is that I'm like, you know, really happy to be working with Weird Giraffe. Like I've known Carla for a long time. Love all of their games. Uh, you know, like it's exciting to have Beth Sobel doing the art, who's great. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it actually coming out because, like, doing this November of 2020, it's like, oh right, like. That's like two and a half years ago. <laughs> I'm ready for it to come out now, you know? Time, time isn't real anymore. I know, it doesn't. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's all silly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time, Heather. And best thank of you. luck on this and Iceberg and all yeah. your RPG stuff. And Great. Yep. Thank you. All right. See you later. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Board Again Games Season 5, Episode 8, as I talked with Heather O'Neill of Ninth Level Games about her upcoming game, Dreams of Yesterday, as well as what it's like to be a game designer and publisher and advice she'd have for new game designers. Thanks for listening. Happy gaming. We'll catch you later.